Hi, and welcome to our staff devotions. Uh, we're doing our um, regular staff training, and I thought for today uh, we would cover as a topic how do you get to the next level of your leadership or of your own capability uh, as a leader? And I know the word next level is kind of bandied around everywhere where people go, oh, you know, I'm going to take my prayer life to the next level. I'm going to take my relationship to the next level. But basically, it's the same level. <laughs> it's just a little bit more hype. Um, so what, what we're really meaning is how do you, um, if, if your leadership capability has certain boundaries, right, um, how do you expand the boundary of your leadership capability? Um, and one of the reasons why I'm con- uh, talking about that in particular is because FGA has gone through a little bit of a sudden change in the last year. Between October uh, last year when we moved in here to this year, there's been a marked difference in both the attendance at FGA but also in the level of sort of busyness of things going on. Right, And so... Um, uh, in order for us not just to cope with that increase um, uh, as FGX sort of itself moves to the next level, I guess, um, not just to cope with that, but to also to pre-anticipate for future growth or to move into the direction where God is going, uh, is taking us. I think uh, all of us um, need to, at some level, shift when the environment shifts. So that means, uh, because otherwise, if we just keep doing the same thing, um, several, um, let's play out the different scenarios. Uh, okay. So this is, this is how I, reason why I came up with this as a topic is, I was trying to play the scenarios out of how, if there is growth or, uh, you know, God brings increase into our church, but we are a household of faith. That means we're not a, we're not a church that just hires and fires our pastoral staff and just let's just get the best of the bit, right? Um, I can tell you, so how would that play out in the house of faith? Let me tell you how I think it plays out in a commercial organization. So you are Netflix or your Uber or whatever it is and you start your company of, I don't know, 20 people, right? Next thing you know, you're a company of 200 people, you're a company of 2,000 people, you're all around the world and you're the marketing manager of the 20 people, you're like, okay, I can hack some together something for Netflix, whatever it is, right? Next thing you know, you're global, there's 2,000 people in your marketing department or whatever it is, and you're no longer able to be that person who can lead 2,000 people in your marketing team, right? So in a normal commercial organization, one of two things happen. One, you get replaced. Or two, you skill up fast enough to cope with that growth, right? So uh, great examples of scaling up fast enough to cope with the growth would be uh, one of my favorite authors, Sheryl Sandberg, right? So Sheryl comes in to Facebook early days, and she's actually not that super qualified uh, when she comes in, but she grows in with the company and then adapts and changes based on its size. Right, so um, uh, same with um, the HR manager and various other organizations, right? Um, I think what is a little bit different about Household of Faith, so 
is that dynamic is still there. The dynamic was still, is as uh, the organization grows, you still, as a person, you still have to get better than you have to then cope with the much more, you're overseeing more home group leaders. You're, uh, you know, you're preaching into a, a wider audience or whatever it is, right? Um, but maybe we don't immediately go, hey, you are replaced by somebody who is better. I think the other alternative that happens in a household of faith is then instead of you being the cap for the growth, which then disadvantages everybody else, right? So you go, no, I'm going to do uh, my media department and I'm used to running it with just one person. It's always going to stay that way, right? I think what happens is other sons and daughters of the house get put in ahead of you. So you're still there. You're still on staff. You're still able to do whatever things you're doing, but you're operating at a certain level. So you'll still, and we, we value faithfulness. So you'll still be around. You'll still be faithful. We'll still treat you well. You're still contributing. But somebody else then comes in that is also a son of the house, that is also uh, able, and then takes that department or that area into where it needs to go. And we've seen this now happen at FGA uh, over the course of our 25 years. Right? I've seen this firsthand, right? Because the alternative is that, that that department, that whole department just gets hampered by the leader who del- cannot grow his leadership and just goes, this is the way I can handle things, this is the way I... And it actually is a detriment to the entire uh, church. And so... That's right. So what we're talking about now... That's exactly, uh, that's exactly, the best alternative of all the ones that I'm talking about is the person upskills. That's what we're talking about right now. How do you upskill? Because I feel like that is going to be the challenge. All of you and myself as the staff team, we're going to have to face. Because we've now moved, the first time in 25 years, we've moved into our new premise. We have seen the growth that's come with that. We are currently exploring a second service. The future ahead may have many, many other things. We, like the loan is very payable off for us. So there might be other projects going on, right? So the future is in, I think, um, it's not that we will go back to the YWAM days and we'll be back 200. Like, that's not the future we're anticipating. So out of all the alternatives that, that I just talked about, I think the best that works out for you is upskill. And I would put it to you, rapidly upskill as fast as the church is increasing. And the good news is, we're not like doubling every week or whatever it is. So we've got a, I feel like we've got a medium leeway for upskilling. We've got a medium leeway for upskilling. But if we're not expending, like let's say we've got a, a week with 100% worth of time. If we're not expending 20 to 25% of our time in that week for upskilling, we're just going to, I think we're just going to get left behind in general. Now, do we want to have a little bit of a discussion about why upskilling is even important and why I think it's the best alternative before we go into how we can upskill and how we can move our leadership to the next level? Or was what I said pretty brutal and harsh? I feel like they're just, I'm just kind of talking about the facts of life. Of 
of if God brings the increase. It's not like FGA has gone out and said, let's do a, a, a marketing strategy. We don't, we just really want to get more people into FGA. And right? that's not what's happening. We're just doing faithfully life. I feel like FGA is just doing the same types of things and God has brought the increase. So as God brings the increase, we're then responsible to steward that increase uh, well, which means that we have to upskill. That's just the reality of it. Yep. It's just like if you, if you have a kid, right? Then you suddenly very quickly got to learn how to be a dad or a mom, right? You got to upskill either that or, um, yeah, you know, like the upskill is probably the best alternative when your situation changes. And so that's why uh, we're going ahead with that. All right. Okay. So to help with working that out, I'm going to use a little bit of a model that I um, use just in my head to help me with the upskilling. It's called Gordon's Ladder. I don't know if you've ever heard of Gordon's Ladder. All right, so you can all like Google Gordon's Ladder if you want. But it, for me, it helps to provide a framework so that I know if I want to get better, what things, um, what things are stopping me from getting better. All right, so in Gordon's Ladder, the first section, so um, I'm gonna look it up right now too, okay. So, um, in Gordon's Ladder, the first thing is unconsciously unskilled. Now, so I'm talking about, um, let's set the context correctly. I'm not saying that all of us are unskilled, right? We all have, actually, it's a great testimony that FGA is growing right now. It means actually at some level, our staff team and our leadership team is functioning in a healthy way. So we are, I think right now, at our current level, right, unconsciously skilled. So we've hit level four on Gordon's ladder. That means we're pretty good at doing 300 and something church, 400 and something church. We're pretty good, even if we're so unconscious that we can just do it by remote control and chaos all the time. All right. I think we can pull that off fairly. That's already kind of proven. All right. But then when we go to this next level, when we go to the next arena of leadership, I guess, right? This next, whatever future is for FGA, um, there are going to be areas, not, not in every area, but there are going to be some areas where it's completely unknown to us. Like I'm willing to admit that even myself as a senior pastor, I've never pastored a church of a thousand. I don't know what it's like to be scrutinized by the media, by whatever posts I put on online or whatever it is. Nobody cares what I post online. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, so in, in my own level of leadership, there is, a, there is another level out there that I've never tasted or seen. But that's all of us. And so that first area that we want to talk about is unconsciously unskilled. That means we're looking at areas where we don't know what we don't know. That means even if I were to ask a question, hey, what do you need to learn to be the next level youth pastor or a, 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 um, you know, a home groups pastor of a church of a thousand or whatever it is, right? Like, what do you need? You might even not know the thing that you say you need to learn may not even be the right thing, right? So um, we need to deal with this category of the unconsciously unskilled. That means we don't know what skill we need and we don't know 
how to get it. All right? Um, so I want to just tackle that first and then we'll go to the consciously unskilled. Because when we get to the consciously unskilled, then we can have a bit of a discussion on the staff team about what do you feel like you're consciously unskilled is we know that we don't have the skill. Brilliant. So you can basically sit there and go, you know what? I know I could uh, exegete the Bible better. I, I, I know that I can actually do video techniques a little bit better or we could outsource some part of our uh, media department. And I know that that's something that we could do. That's, so that's consciously unskilled. I don't want to talk about that yet. All right? Let's cover unconsciously unskilled first. How do you think we can um, improve in areas that we don't even know we need to improve in? Let's have a bit of a discussion. Exposure. Yes, great. So what does that look like? Why don't you tell us what exposure looks like? By visiting other organizations or churches yes. to see what they are doing. That's right. And then, uh, and then it will open our eyes to see that there are areas that we've uh, not even explored. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. I think exposure is for sure the primary way to um, sort of improve your <coughs> unconsciously unskilled. That means, so FG has a tendency to be pretty insular. And we have a tendency to expose ourselves to pretty much, I mean, to chat around churches that are around the same kind of level as us, right? Um, but what Uncle Roland is talking about when he's talking about um, exposure is like, um, let's look, uh, I've got high school friend, uh, high school kids, right? So let's talk about friendship networks. I know that if you hang around students that are of a certain grade, right? Your grade tends to broadly mirror theirs. Then, if you start hanging out with other kinds of students, you pick up the, the normal, natural things that they do at a higher grade level, let's say, right? And there is some level of peer influence, there's some level of peer teaching and learning that goes on that, I guess, shows you the, the parts that you're, you're missing. Um, uh, I read a book uh, called Never Eat Alone, and it talks about great leaders um, always having a, a, a network of other people. And it, uh, one of the first chapters talks about we are the average of the people we hang out with. We're the average of the people we hang out with, right? So basically, um, uh, I've seen also Rick Warren talk about entire circles of, um, of leadership capability leadership capability circles and you want to have friends in an entire circle above you sure you will have a lot of friends within your circle but you need to have good friends and good influences or exposure in an entire circle that is ab like above you that means they're operating and they're dealing with problems and issues a little bit ahead of you uh, that's one of the reasons why we uh, recommend to couples when they are in relationship counseling is um, have a mentor that's 10 years ahead of you. You know why? You don't even know what you need to know. Yeah. 
the things that you're Googling about parenting, about, you know, some app that you can download or some methodology for putting your kids to sleep, the things that you're Googling as a 20-year-old parent, yeah, are maybe even completely the wrong things that somebody who's had 10 years of experience would say you need to know about parenting. So they might say you need to work on your husband and wife relationship so that you're a really stable um, couple and home and not obsessed about the kid. Right? They might say that your skill level needs to improve in a different area altogether. But you won't get that um, if you're not exposed to somebody in an entirely different category. So I think the first thing you need to understand about unconsciously unskilled is how do we get exposure so that we figure out things we are completely missing. <coughs> like that we're just completely not even in our train of thought. That we haven't, it's not that we know it and we just know we're bad at it. We don't even know it and we don't know how good we are at that. Alright? So that's, um, what else can we do in the unconsciously unskilled besides just sort of friendship exposure and, and, and the like? What about mm -hmm. people who are pioneers in their own field? Yes. There, there's no, you, you can't get any exposure on, right. on that because you're breaking yes. the box. Right? That's right, yes. And so these people, yes. like Bill Gates or yes. uh, Jobs, you know, yes. Yes. They, they, are, <coughs> they have no peers that will well, they kind of do. So, so when I did my master's in entrepreneurship, yeah. um, we studied a lot of these guys. So the, one of the reasons why a lot of stuff happens in Silicon Valley, or okay, let's say Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, they were actually peers. Okay. Like, Steve, like they, basically, what happens is innovators can get together. Right. And they can learn from other innovators, even if it's not in the same type of innovation, right? So, um, even if you are, let's say we're leading the way in ecclesiology right now with household of faith, let's say, right? And we're like, oh my goodness, nobody does amazing things like FGA. I, I don't believe that, but let's just say, right? We're so cutting edge. Great. We can take that, that level <coughs> and look at it at a meta from a meta lens and say, who else is cutting edge? Maybe they're cutting edge in a different area of theology. Maybe they're cut, right? And then a bunch of us can get together. And then we can talk about what it's like to break, break boundaries, to, to innovate and do these types of things. And that's what entrepreneurs do. That's why there are a whole bunch of these um, hubs. That's why they, a lot of the entrepreneurs we talk about, they actually get together with other um, entrepreneurs, even though they're all breaking ground in their own respective fields in a specific thing. <coughs> Um, yeah, let's just talk about practically how would that type of exposure happen? Like what, what does that even mean? Or how would we improve ourselves in being in this unconsciously um, unskilled area? I, I don't think there's any point in like talking about it conceptually and then it doesn't change in our, like next week nothing changes. Complacency. Mm-hmm. It means you, you know, you are, because complacency will cause us not to really want to 
upskill. So by not being complacent, mm. you know, by not being complacent, uh, which means when you so what does complacency mean for you? What do you like, okay when you see that there is a problem? Yeah, right. They say okay now you don't know how to deal with that problem. So you can either just ignore it, mm-hmm. or you can say hey, yeah, there is a problem here now. What am I going to do? Hmm. You, you get me. So sometimes hmm. the problem created is either you either do something about it, or is it? Oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. You know. Right. Yeah. Okay. You, so you yes. So I think that's a really good point. I think that's more a point for number two on Gordon's ladder. That means you already realize that there's a problem, and you're either complacent or you're not complacent about it. Right. Yeah. So we'll we'll talk about that soon. But right now I'm talking about you don't even think it's a problem. Oh, okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm talking about things that FJ is doing that we think is perfectly fine. How do we know? How do you know? Exactly. How do we know? Because we're talking about this category where we don't even know the problem is a problem. Well, someone else has to tell you. Is it like a blind spot? Is that what you're saying? That's right. So one is we need to increase our exposure, right? Which is what Uncle Roland spoke about okay but what else Try new things. yeah okay great so great so there needs to be some level of experimentation right and curiosity and so you're, you're kind of going okay you know what I'm just going to try new things I'm gonna learn maybe I've never seen this happen before I never right but I don't know what I don't know, so I'm gonna increase my knowledge through experimentation. Great, so you're just, instead of learning from others, which is exposure, you're learning by blind exploration, which is also good, which is definitely fine. A lot of entrepreneurs do that, right? So you're like, there's a forest, it's an unknown forest, right? Uh, exposure means, let me look at maps of other forests, let me look at, right? But um, what Quinton is suggesting is let's just go into the forest anyway and try a few things. Brilliant. I think that's one. That's it. That's definitely uh, always do it. But if you're going to do that, you need a very good feedback loop. That means you're trying a lot of things and you think, does this work? Does it not work? On people are giving honest feedback and then, right? Yeah, okay, good. So it's a little <laughs> bit of like UDA loop, right? So we covered UDA uh, before, right? O O D A. We can Google it back. We won't cover it. <laughs> yeah. Um, How about okay. like, um, yes. like the same feedback. Like I think you can have external feedback, but I guess mm-hmm. personal like reflection is like, mm-hmm. is like you can go through a whole week yes. and not really be conscious about like the things that you're partaking in yes. and activities that sort of have been affecting your decisions. And then yes. I think... And you're unconscious in a sense, right? Perfect. So then like yes. taking that time, I guess, I don't know, once a week or once a yes. month. Yes. And just reflect. Act to, yeah, just That's to right. reflect and review sort of That's right. what has been done and how you can... Because I think often we need to stop and just like, just really look back at what's happened mm-hmm. for us to really realize that, hey, what, what was I thinking? <laughs> exactly. So that's, that's brilliant because what you've done is you've taken step one and step two and you've looked at the verbal difference between one and two. Unconsciously unskilled and consciously unskilled, right? 
and you've said, hey, there's some things that are going on unconsciously yeah. that you're either doing or going on, right? And you just need to be a bit more conscious of it, right? So I think self-reflection or some kind of um, internal check, right, goes, what are the things that I'm doing unconsciously even? Like, what are the... the and it might uncover areas that you discover now you're consciously unskilled. <laughs> like, yeah. Right, instead of unconsciously unskilled, yeah. you've hit that segment now. You're like, I'm conscious of the fact that I can't control my enthusiasm and I'm always helping out other people in things when I, I shouldn't actually be helping them out. They should actually be doing it themselves. But I always unconsciously just do it. Yeah. Now at least I'm conscious of how terrible I am at <laughs> controlling myself in the thing. Yeah. Right? So um, I think, the, so yeah, so thirdly, um, uh, self-reflection mm. is really important. Now I might throw one last thing into the mix. I think humility needs to be thrown into that mix. So right now, we might be in the unconsciously skilled section of our tier of leadership. That means we basically sit around thinking we're pretty <coughs> awesome. Right? Um, and, you know, to be honest, FGA is pretty cool. Like, I'm actually really uh, thrilled about FGA, right? But we could sit around going, we're pretty good. Yeah. If we don't have some level of humility, mm. right, um, then we're never really going to be open to, like, some other yeah. leader will come in with other results. Some other person will come in and say, hey, you know, uh, why don't you look at what I'm doing? And we'll basically look at them and say, ah, I know you're seemingly ahead in years, you're seemingly ahead in ministry experience, seemingly ahead with all these things, but we know better than you. <laughs> like, I know, I got nothing to learn from you. You couldn't even tell me, the word, right? And so I think without some level of humility, uh, we're not going to make any progress into the next level of leadership, right? Again, we're talking about how do we, when we look back at 2000, and 19 for us in our current leadership level let's say we look five years back right we want to be able to say oh i've changed so much in how i would approach senior pastoring the church i've changed so much in how i would pastor a youth group i've completely changed my thinking or my implementation on right you know why because you've grown in that and that's what i want to talk about because at fj that changes on us all these other options they're terrible Self-growth is the way we have to um, manage the thing. Okay, great. That is not just for climbing up, but for getting down as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 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 So just go both ways. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that is not just for climbing up. It's for just for coming down as well. Because you can't just climb up a ladder and then... Yeah. And then, you know, just... Yeah. I, know, I just stopped thinking of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Let's now go to the second one, right? So now, so we've had maybe four strategies for how we can deal with the stuff that we don't know anything about, right? Just a quick iteration that is exposure, blind exploration or, or experimentation, which I think is really good, self-reflection, which I think is also pretty good, and then fourthly, uh, a disposition of humility. We didn't talk about reading or formal learning. Yes, so that would be under exposure. But I think that's right. Uh, for me, I think reading for is so crucial. So one of the ways um, I actually do exposure is because I can't get access personally to, like right now I'm reading a book by Melinda Gates. She's not gonna meet up with me. 
like do you know what I mean like I can't get access to top level leaders or experts I'm not sure I'll uh, send her an email <laughs> right now um, but I can get access to people via the books they write and so being able to read for exposure helps you I feel to get um, to at least discover the things you don't know like to discover oh I'm actually really bad at this yeah, like reading Daniel Goldman's book on emotional intelligence basically was for me like seven, eight years ago was a discovery on how poor my EQ was. <laughs> and so I just, look at it now. I know, I know. And just Start like a thinker. I know. Um, but just like a thinker, I went through his metrics and went, I'm poor in this, I'm poor in this, I'm poor in this. And so it got me to number two, consciously unskilled. Consciously unskilled, right? So I discovered actually of all these different metrics, I'm actually very poor in putting myself in somebody else's shoes. So I spent a lot of time now. Un, uh, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how can I put myself in other people's shoes. What things can help me to get into other people's perspective? Because I naturally don't do that. I was consciously unskilled, but a book helped me to be aware of my deficiency. So yep. how does that uh, weigh against, uh, where it says we have to concentrate on our strengths? And because we have limited time and resources. That's right. We can't be good at everything. That's right. Right? Yes. And so if you want to read up and expose yourself in different areas mm -hmm. that doesn't concern you or that yes. You'll be mediocre in everything. That's right. That's right. But if you focus yes. on your strength, yes. which means you exclude the other That's right. areas, yes. then it, it, it seems like a little bit of a yes. opposing. Yes. Okay, so I think that's a very, very good question. That's a very, very good question. I think, by and large, the overarching thing should be that you're focusing, maybe focus on your strengths is not the, the best words to use. You should be focusing on your calling. Yeah. Okay, that's usually your strengths the way you get to yeah. it, right? Okay, so all of us, whether we're in pastoral ministry or we're not in pastoral ministry, whether you're a mom, you're a worker, you're a student, whatever it is, God has a particular purpose and calling in for your life, yeah. right? Um, and so when you're growing and you're learning or you're stewarding that calling well, then you broadly want to funnel your growth and development around that. So it's no point me spending a lot of time learning to do something else that I'm not called to do. Yeah. Maybe for some like off the side exposure or whatever it is, but it's not worthwhile to invest a lot of time into it, right? Because God's called me to do this. Like, like for instance, uh, me and Pastor Roland, right? I've seen your pastor of the church different from Pastor Ron, right? So um, at some level, I don't want to just yeah. pick up his calling and his strength and whatever it is, right? Yeah. I want to be developing my calling and my strength. So that, oh, that's the overarching um, thing. So it is within that context that we're talking about how to go to the next level. Right. So I'm saying, how do you go into the next level? We're all pastors or workers at church at the moment, right? So we're now talking about how do we do what we currently do, right? How do we do what we currently do at a better level? 
So at some level, we're already talking about um, the strength or the calling that we're in. So, for instance, um, I'm not, I was talking about emotional intelligence. Okay, right? That's not completely unrelated no. to being a senior pastor. Of it is very much uh, linked yeah. into that. Yeah. I mean, it's like Bill Gates learning skills in baseball, for example. That's right. right? That's it's, pretty useless. Yeah. Exactly. So we're. Um, so I think I, I'm very thankful for your question because we're not talking about those things. Yes. When we talk about exposure, yeah. right? We're not talking about random exposure. Yeah. yeah. We're talking about exposure at the next level of your leadership. That means you're looking at people that are a little bit ahead in your specific calling in your, in your area. So if you're a home group pastor, you're meeting with other home group pastors that have to deal with zones or have to deal with other types of uh, issues, right? Media guys meeting with other media in a slightly larger context or, or whatever yeah. else it is, right? Um, but it's all within the... Sphere. Yeah, all within the sphere of what is your calling and to some extent, level like what is your strength but i prefer to narrow it down by calling because sometimes to achieve your calling you have to look out for your weaknesses like sometimes your weakness is the thing that pulls you back from from so i i'm quite pro strength orientation right but i also hold it like a little bit loosely so i'd rather go calling orientation calling orientation is that Cool. All right. So now you've read Daniel Goleman's book and you're discovering, oh my goodness, my emotional intelligence is terrible. Right? So you're consciously unskilled. Right? I'm just I'm explaining my journey on, on these type of things, right? So you're now you're consciously unskilled. That's that's a great place to be at. Whether you can go, hey, I'm I'm a terrible preacher, uh, right? Or I I'm actually really bad at at gathering the whole church to do um, to, to mobilize the church in, in, in some area or whatever it is you've picked some area where you go I know I'm supposed to be good at this but I'm actually really bad at this I know I should be able to do this but I can't do it alright how would you handle that section do we think go to someone who's done it well yep Okay, good. That's right. So one thing you could do is you could um, uh, you could use the Tim Ferriss uh, meta learning model that we talked about, um, right? And you could go to somebody, right? You could go to somebody and just learn how they do it. So you can you just say, you know what? I may not end up um, doing exactly what you you're gonna do, but I will watch what you do, right? Then, then I'll try to do exactly what you do, right? So I'll do the domestic, right? Before I do the wow, before I do the side, before I do the pro, right? And so I'm just going to, so for instance, what I did with Pastor Roland when I first came in was I learned how to pastor the way Pastor Roland pastors, right? Like just, I'm just, I needed to learn what it was like to be the senior pastor of a household of faith. And I had very secular mindsets before. So I didn't even know there were some things that needed to be there. So I, <coughs> I, I, I leaned in way too much because all I was doing was copying. I was just copying. I was just learning and copying. Right? But I would put it to you that that's the beginning <coughs> stages. Because then, 
after a while of just copying, you pick up things that you can incorporate in your life and then other things that maybe that don't work, you can adapt and adjust it to your, your current environment, whatever it is, right? <clears throat> and then you start, so then you go from dumb, you go to wild and you're doing it by yourself, right? Then you do sci and you're experimenting with it. You're doing some scientific testing in on your method and then you go to pro and you're completely innovating in that area, right? And so we, we covered Tim Ferriss's um, uh, four-stage meta-learning model, I feel like maybe a couple of years ago. Yep. Um, yeah, it's really good. So what are the four things again? They're dumb, wild, sci. Dumb means domestic. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Dumb, wow. wild, sci, which is scientific, and then pro. Uh, and uh, pro means professional, right? So, um, but that I think that's what jo Jordan just said, right? <laughs> Jordan, Jordan said, right? Find somebody and learn from them. Yeah. Okay. Great. What else? Because they are like what mm -hmm. Pastor Ron said, they got so many things that you want to learn. Mm -hmm. right? So you just need to prioritize yep. the learning what is more critical now at this stage. Yep. And then some are short term, long, medium term, long term yep. Good. Uh, progression. Yep. Great. So you might discover it might actually be a very discouraging phase for you because now you're aware of all of the things that you are unskilled at. Alright, so you might be a little bit discouraged and there might be a hundred, like Uncle Weiss is alluding to, a hundred areas yeah. to improve. You got uncles and aunties coming up to you saying, hey, you should be better at this, you should be better at that. You got other people saying you should be better at this. So now you have this long list. I think Uncle Weiss is correct. At some level, you want to prioritize um, what you're going to skill up. Because <clears throat> you can't skill everything. That's right. Yeah, good. So um, I'm going to link what Uncle YC says into um, the other point that I wanted to bring up, which is this concept of deliberate practice. Deliberate practice. Um, there's a great book on it called Deliberate Practice, which I think is absolutely fantastic. So practice by itself actually doesn't get you better. So a person can play tennis badly a thousand times with the same bad habits and still be oh, a terrible <laughs> yeah and still be a terrible <laughs> tennis player do you know what i mean like just practice by itself the repeating you could run youth group a thousand times and still run it terribly we could run church service a thousand times church service and never get better at it so the, the repetition in and of itself doesn't fix, the doesn't fix the problem. We've seen this in homes even, when you're parenting, right? And so a lot of parents have experienced parenting their children. Of course, they have a thousand interactions with their children, right? They're practicing every day how to parent their children. But if they have bad habits that have kicked in, they, they do it in a poor way, they're just reinforcing or repeating bad cycles. So... The second um, 
uh, thing that I want to talk about in Consciously Unskilled is deliberate practice. Deliberate practice. That means you're repeating, right? But it's intentional. There is some intentionality about your practice. That means you're doing exactly what Uncle YC says. What area do I need practice in? Right? So, hey, let's just take preaching as an example. All right? Great. I'm gonna, I, I don't know if you guys uh, have noticed me do this over the last few years. I intentionally try to vary my preaching style. So I'll go, you know what? Um, let's try a prophetic, let's try a prophetic style. So I'll start with a vision that I've had that uh, I've done. I'll try and do a more prophetic oriented one. I might do a more teaching oriented one. I might try and do a more evangelistic one. I might try and do a chiastic structure um, basis of Hebrew Hebrew poetry. I might try alliteration. I might do a modern movie tie-in. I might, but, but in my head, I'm going, I'm preaching, I'm preaching, I'm preaching. I'm not just going to preach every Sunday. I'm going to deliberately practice my preaching. And there is like things that I never tell anybody, things that are just in my own little notebook. I'm deliberately practicing because I'm going, oh, I need to get better in my preaching. And I've seen other people, that's why I read different preaching books. Um, um, the latest one um, uh, I, I just finished was on courageous preaching, which is talking about preaching on topics that are really difficult and you'd rather not, yeah, you'd rather just leave the whole thing untouched, but but preachers need to be able to tackle those things courageously. And so, um, you know, it's part of then going into Revelation. The Revelation is a little bit of a weird book, right? Um, but there are always these elements of, in deliberate practice, you're being intentional with your practicing. That means if you're doing tennis and your backhand is poor, you know what? You're just repeating the backhand. You're just repeating the backhand again and again and again. All right. So you, you've picked up that you're pointing backhand, you're, you're doing this thing where you're learning from somebody else on your backhand, whatever, but then you're clocking in lots of backhand practice. It's deliberate. That means you've got feedback in on it, you're, 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 you're looking at that thing that you're repeating, and you're saying, it's got to get better. I'm actually working um, yeah. on it. <clears throat> All right, so that's in, in the summary anyway. I'm like, I'm summarizing entire books for you guys right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, staff training. Thank so. God, you don't need to read. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I feel, <laughs> so honest, <laughs> I feel like in this, uh, a, uh, you guys are a little bit like my micro family. Because uh, this is what we do in our home um, when, I, when, I, when we talk to our kids about how to think about life and improve and various other things, right? Uh, I just feel like, it's beneficial to always have some kind of input into our learning that then challenges us um, a bit ahead. Okay, so consciously unskilled. One is that then you just follow somebody and you learn from them, right? Two is you do some kind of deliberate practice. Maybe let's pick one more other thing that we could do in the consciously unskilled. you know that you're terrible at this? Have a 
someone to critique. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Accountability. That's exactly it. That was exactly what I was waiting for. Right? That what you want to be able to do is be held accountable in that area. All right? So now you are aware that you are just really bad at, I'll just take empathy, for example. Right? And so then you want to be able to say that to a, a mentor or somebody else who can critique you, somebody else, and you go, hey, can you hold me accountable? I want to get better at this. I'm going to be practicing it. I'm aware that this is a weakness of mine for getting into the next level. This is the area I, pri- you know, like what Uncle YC says, I prioritized it out of the hundred things that I could get better at. This is what I would like to get better at. Can you hold me accountable to that? And I think some level of accountability helps you to, in your consciously unskilled, right? Um, yeah, I don't think we need to explain that a little bit. Do you? I mean, everybody no, as gets long it, as right? the person, if you say, please hold me accountable, and, uh, and they say yes, they need to actually hold you true to that word. Yes. In other words, there's no point saying yes, I'll hold you accountable, and then you see that behaviour or whatever, and you don't confront the person. Or yes. Don't. I think you need to hold accountable. Otherwise, you just say, yeah. no, I'm not comfortable. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, I will though, uh, practically, just on a practical level, I reckon two-thirds of the drive for the holding accountable comes from the person who's asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that means if I say, Uncle Roland, hold me accountable, right, to be more relational and whatever else it is, right? Sure, I think maybe one-third or one-quarter of it is Uncle Roland broadly keeping in that, right? But two-thirds or three-quarters of it is me saying to Uncle Roland, hey, this is my progress on it. This is what I'm doing on the thing. This, hey, this is, so I'm reporting. So think of it like your tax returns. Yep. Oh, okay. I, I just imagine it as an accountant, right? So broadly, the government holds us accountable for the submission of our tax returns. But actually three quarters of the work is done by us. And all the government does is audits. I, what I found is in real life, with our mentoring and leadership, in practical terms, it's a little bit like that. Because your leader and your mentor, just as the Australian government, cannot and should not expend billions of dollars on doing your tax return for you, right? Similarly, whoever that leader is that you've got to keep your account should not be expending thousands of hours of their own time following you up. You prep up your tax return. Right? And then you submit it. Then it gets reviewed. Like, that's a good, I feel like that's, I mean, maybe because I'm so Aussie, but I feel like that's a good model. Like, I like that model. It's what uh, has worked for me with uh, Pastor Roland as we've done the mentoring. A lot of the times it was me driving the, the catch up, it was me driving that mentoring and then being held accountable to it. So, but I find a lot of people, when they say, hold me accountable, they do nothing, so they expect that yeah, yeah. they are only doing the one quarter of the thing, That's and right. then now three quarters of the responsibility falls on the other guy. That's a poor um, balance, I guess. But but Megan's point is correct that there is still that one quarter or, or one third. If you're going to say you're going to hold that person accountable, you should actually be available for the audit. You should be available for the tax return to be submitted. Well, things like that. All right, good. So then, we can, I think we can very quickly go into the three and four, because the main areas we want to work in, because we're going to the next level, it's, it's going to be unknown for us, is one and two. 
Okay, so one and two are your main ones. When you get the three, that means you're consciously skilled. I, I think at some level, FGA has passed that for our previous level, all right? What you wanna do, so for, for number three, consciously skilled, you wanna focus on articulation. Articulation, that means you wanna know why or how it is that you're good at what you are good at. Yeah, so Andy Stanley was, says, if you don't know what makes you successful, you won't know how to keep that going. So you wanna, at some level, when you hit the consciously skilled, you wanna be able to articulate, you wanna be able to explain to somebody how you're aware of the skill that you have. Yeah, what that does is it helps you to repeat it in your life, but it also, I feel, contributes to group learning for everybody. Yeah. So what we have spent a lot of time, um, again, uh, I guess, um, I've been doing a lot of these things uh, at FGA, um, and maybe I haven't like taken the time to fully explain it, but. A large part of the articulation of household of faith and, and, and talking about our strengths of FGA is the articulation of things that I think we're consciously skilled about. And we're just being explicit about it. Yeah. Um, then it, it now, we're in this arena, I feel on our, in our current level anyway, in our current level. So now we've been able to articulate it, we've been able to write, where it's so remote controlled that I think there are people at FGA who just don't know that we have this particular skill of being able to blend the different generations together, of doing these other types of relational things, right? It's just seemingly easy. And that the key for it is food, or the key for it is something else or whatever. But they're all not the key. In reality, they were all not the key. I can, I can go back and I'll have a different path um, to articulate how we got here. Yeah. But all they see is the easy, so it says unconsciously skilled. We don't know that we have this skill, it just seems easy. Yeah. So um, for me, an example of that would be me and reading. Right? So I would just go, hey, why don't you just take this book, finish it, and pass it to me back next week, whatever it is. Right? Like, uh, it, because at some level, it's a little bit unconscious how I read and how I process a book. Yeah. Um, but FGA, I think, means that. All right, so any, any questions about the whole thing? Otherwise, we can just wrap. So this knowing the key is just like knowing your strength. So which like one? Knowing the keys. Know, what, what do you mean knowing the keys? Because you're saying the keys that make you successful so in that consciously means, skilled, being yeah. able to articulate yeah, it. So yes. that means you are like just you know your strength. Yes, right? and you're articulating you, it. Then you begin to to um, deepen or try to have more use your skill a little bit more and build on your strengths. That's right. Way. Yes, that's right. So we know that we have this skill, yeah. and then what you're trying to do in that phase is to be able to articulate it so it can be replicated. So that you don't accidentally break the thing that makes FGA work. Yeah. I, I think, like when you write it down, mm. 
uh, you are able to articulate it better. Exactly. That's right. That's right. So if you take the time to write it down, you yeah. write, that's right. I absolutely agree with you. So a large part of actually what I do on my um, Thursdays when I'm spending some that my uh, improvement time, which I would recommend for all of our staff to take staff time for dealing with problems that are ahead or your own self-growth or that growing into that next, right? But a large part of it is me writing in my notebook. Why do I do that? It's because I think by writing it out, by sort of working through the problems, either I go through a model and then, and then I, I go through a Misi list, right? Is it mutually exclusive, comprehensively exhausted? I go, oh, how are we having it, right? Having a piece of paper, being able to articulate and work things out makes it so much easier than you are just walking in the park, pondering life. Then where does that go? I don't know. It's like when I took time to write my book. Yes. It, it becomes clearer. clearer. Yeah, exactly. That's right. And you're able to artic uh, articulate those types of problems and issues yeah. that you're solving um, in, a, in a more, um, I guess, cohesive way. Yeah, it, it fits. You can fit the pieces together, I feel. But if you're not writing it down, those pieces are very hard to fit just in the air. Yeah. So can I recommend that you guys have some kind of notebook or you can use Evernote as a Evernote note. <laughs> you know, whatever it is, but you have some way of you processing how, um, so I'm gonna end with this question. How are each of you individually going into that next level? Because I think if I go, and, and this is not like a threat, or it's not a, I'm just trying to explain how life works. And, and honestly, as a senior pastor of a household of faith, I'm going to try to navigate it as relationally strong as I can, right? But the reality is, if our church goes to the next level, that means the environment around us changes and we go to multi-services and we're, in, we're a lot larger, whatever it is, right? The reality of it is, either you're going to have to upskill or somebody else will take your current position. You'll still be around, you'll still have things to do, but somebody else will fill that gap for the, and you know, like, and I'll do a fair transition and we'll do it correctly over time, whatever it is. But eventually, as the church gets really large, somebody else will then be the head of media or the head of youth or head of kids or something like that, right? Um, um, and or you might end up doing something else. And I think my heart my real heart intention is to help you as best I can to be there with us through the whole journey. That's certainly been me as I've grown up at FGA. FGA has grown a lot. Since I first started, we were not at this size. And I certainly was not able, when I first started as a kid's pastor, I was not able to senior pastor the church. I'll be really honest with you. If Pastor Roland took me in, and said, you're senior pastor when I first became a kid's pastor. And just imagine Harold. Like, I was like, really chaos, right? Um, if he did that, I think the church would have just broken. <laughs> split or something like that, right? But um, I think over the course of those 15 years, I had to very deliberately upskill. And then there were things that I was unconsciously unskilled at. Like, I didn't even know I needed to know it. But Uncle Roland knew I needed to know it. Other people needed 
uh, would be speaking to. So that's why I had friendships with Jonathan Mark and ICC, who was the church a little bit ahead. We got other networks of other churches. I'm reading books about other types of things. And then, if you look at, if I look back at my own life, which is why I'm trying to help you as much as I can from my own experience, is I changed a lot. Each one of you will have to change a lot. That's the best course of action going forward. All right? Okay, thanks.